This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hi friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I may be sitting in a chair, but I feel like I'm sitting on a cloud because I was lucky enough because of all the hard work and ESPN and everything that I love to do. Kobe Bryant winning that championship in 2010 led me to this station. The Weekend Warrior Show is 100% due to my appreciation for what Kobe Bryant did for all of us. And I couldn't wait to be on this station, not any other station, this station, because we are the station for the Lakers. But thanks to Scott McCarthy, we are also the station for the L.A. Rams. And now I cannot be any prouder than to be here the following, the Saturday after the Sunday of the Super Bowl, which I got to go to. 16 rows up from the 20-yard line watching Matthew Stafford throw that pass to Cooper Cup to win the game. Oh, God, it was just awesome. For Los Angeles, that shared experience of everything Kobe did for us and Shaq and the Lakers and what they mean to this city. And now, to have the Rams win that championship. The NFL is America's game. It used to be baseball when there was not the NFL like it is today, but now it's the NFL. That green grass. You just think about the rainbow. Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, indigo, blue, violet. Those colors were there. The Rams had blue and yellow. The Bengals had orange, black, green, turf, white. That color TV of yours was just popping because every color was presented and represented. It was awesome. My guest today, thanks to the great Jared Abrams, is Victor Litvindenko. He's calling in from Raleigh, North Carolina. He's a surfer. He's a chef. He ran a vineyard. Now he owns Raleigh Denim Company. He makes blue jeans, organic blue jeans, the best in the business. So it made me think all week, well, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait to talk to him about something I don't know anything about. And since I love the world of art and the world of sports and the world of surgery, 
Where's blue jeans? And by the way, we'll get into food. Blue jeans and food. The best barbecue brisket in L.A. I'm going to tell you where it is. My mouth is watering already. But blue jeans in sports is the rodeo. This was the genius of Leo Burnett, the advertising man who took Marlboro cigarettes, which is a cigarette Philip Morris made for women, and masculinized it. Macho men didn't want to have a filter on their cigarette. Macho men weren't going to buy a lady cigarette, which was Marlboro in the 20s and 30s and 40s. But Leo Burnett says, I'm going to use the power of blue jeans to get people, men, to buy these cigarettes, believe it or not, when they had ads for this. It's an awesome story. I need you to hear it. Here we go. It all started back in 1954 when Marlboro came in a feminine package and men didn't take too well to filter cigarettes. Well, the Philip Morris Company had done some very thorough research into the fast-growing filter business and had come up with a revolutionary new cigarette package, the first new one in over 40 years, the now-famous flip-top box. That's when Leo Burnett and his advertising agency came into the picture. Leo Burnett, who is this guy? He dreamed up. You ready for a list of names? In his head, Tony the Tiger, Frosted Flakes. The Maytag Repairman. The fact that he's the loneliest guy because they never break down. What a genius idea. Fly the friendly skies of United. You're in good hands with Allstate. The Jolly Green Giant. Keebler Elves. Morris the Cat, the Nine Lives Food for them. The Pillsbury Doughboy. Toucan Stam from Fruit Loops. But the greatest thing this man who you're about to hear talk ever dreamed up. Manipulating your mind. Leo Burnett used a cowboy to get you to buy cigarettes. He went from millions. Overnight, they sold B. Billions because of a cowboy, jeans, and Leo Burnett's genius idea. Listen to him talk. When the Phil Morris people uh, decided to uh, give us this account, I really can't tell you what a charge we got out of it. The first real assignment we got was for a newspaper ad as part of a test campaign that the previous agency had prepared which was then running in Dallas and Fort Worth. They told us that they didn't expect miracles overnight and to meet this particular assignment, we could run one of the ads prepared by the previous agency and continue the campaign until we were ready to come down there with a full-fledged recommendation. And uh, uh, I said, the hell with that. (laughs) He is Tony the Tiger. And... uh, uh, here's where it went. The cigarettes are sissy. Some people think that filter cigarettes are any kind of, kind of sissy, and we want to make a masculine. I said, what's the most masculine symbol you can think of? And right off the top of his head, one of these writers spoke up and said, a cowboy. I said, hey, that's for sure. I said, go over there and, uh, uh, and uh, draw this cowboy roughly. Uh, I have some layout pads. and uh, Let's make a great big... Uh, sketch of this cowboy out of this book here and he saw the magic happening right in front of him 
Monday morning, we set the type on the ad. We dug up a, another picture of a cowboy, and we slapped this together in a matter of less than 24 hours, I would say. Well, uh, the art director brought it in, showed it to me, and I, got, I, got, I just jumped out of my chair. I mean, I have been advertising business quite a while, but this is one of the greatest things I'd ever seen. I, I just, every instinct I had told me that this was, this was it, you see. Wow. Fox, this man smokes Marlboro cigarettes. What kind of a man is he? I'm one of the hands on this branch. I wouldn't trade places with anybody. Working outside suits me. You like to smoke, too. A cigarette's good company. So everything we did seemed to spell mother, you know? <laughs> it all kind of came together, and we made a few mistakes along the line, but some ads and some commercials were better than others, but that's the way it all started. Wow. Shout out to Jared and Courtney. Thanks for listening. That's the way it all started, with a big bang. The new Marlboro pack and advertising were an overnight success. Marlboros were in such demand that additional packaging equipment had to be air freighted from England. Sales went through the roof. From 18 million cigarettes in 1954 to 6.5 billion in 55, and over 14 billion by 1956. Mm, but the secret was he didn't use a model actor as a cowboy he went hunting for real cowboys real blue jeans arkansas texas that's where he found the marlboro men marlboro advertising from its inception in 1954 has consistently developed and grown from our original concept the refinements along the way set precedents not just in the cigarette business but in advertising in general Few campaigns have been as single-minded in purpose and as unique and fresh in execution. We were the first to use real men in our advertising instead of professional model types. This changed the whole advertising business, not just cigarette advertising. That's Jack Lantry, the VP of Philip Morris. By the way, smoking a cigarette while he's talking in this interview. In the early years, Marlboro masculinity was expressed through the use of a lot of different types. Then. In the later settle back ads, we seem to be after a simpler expression of this idea, a single symbol of masculinity. We used athletes as models, lean, hard types, who were the personification of the Marlboro idea. But the one recurring symbol, the one type who projected the sharpest image of the Marlboro man was the American cowboy. Blue jeans. In a world that was becoming increasingly complex and frustrating for ordinary man, the cowboy represented an antithesis, a man whose environment was simplistic and relatively pressure-free. He was his own man in a world he owned. And he seemed to be an ideal symbol for our cigarette, the crystallization of seven years of theme development. And we showed him standing in dramatic, low-angle photos against cityscapes, inviting smokers to join him in Marlboro country. Can you imagine? This was all planned. Marlboro Country. That was the label, the headline idea that seemed to hold it all together. The masculine cowboy smoking his cigarette in his private world, Marlboro Country. And originally, we showed him in New York, in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> we wanted to tell the world that we were leaders, that wherever people smoked for flavor, that was Marlboro Country. 
This is Marlboro country. The canyons of New York or Colorado. Do you love that music? Thank you, Elmer Bernstein. That's who wrote that music for the Magnificent Seven movie. So they're tying in the greatest cowboy movie as they're showing this cowboy in blue jeans who happens to be a real cowboy, Carl Bradley, a Texas rancher, Turk Robinson, a rodeo rider from Oklahoma, and then Daryl Winfield from Wyoming. These are real cowboys wearing real blue jeans, convincing you you should smoke Marlboro cigarettes. Oy vey. In these commercials, you see a sharpening of our image with more focus on the cowboy's real environment. And this was the next refinement in our advertising, to put the cowboy in his world, today's West. And when we did, he became a more believable symbol of masculinity. The rugged, dramatic beauty of his world allowed him to also become a more visual symbol. And in visual terms, he was at his strongest. Words were extraneous. Wow. This, then, is the Marlboro story. A story of how a specialty cigarette developed an image so powerful it became a part of the American language. A masculine image. So well defined that today the cowboy is synonymous with Marlboro. And Marlboro country has become a part of the American idiom. And when you add music to the cowboy image, there's no doubt about it. You are in Marlboro country. God, and this is what I grew up listening to. Come to where the flavor is. Come to Marlboro Country. <laughs> and wear your blue jeans while you're at it. The power and what it says. Yeah, they're comfortable. And when they're made right, they're the soft. They're softer than scrubs that I wear. But they got to be made right. How do you make them right? We're about to learn. Coming up next, I'll be talking to a man who knows a lot about blue jeans, the great Victor Litvinenko. He's going to join us from Raleigh, North Carolina. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show. 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. That's right. Mahalo. Aloha. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Ahui hoy. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I remember this song because I was sitting there 16 rows from the field at the Super Bowl. 
Pepsi gave you these lights you wore around your neck, and the lights would blink different colors. The great Kendrick Lamar. Awesome. I'm so excited right now to be joined by Victor, calling all the way in from Raleigh, North Carolina. Victor, thanks so much for making time for us. Are you there, Victor? Yeah, can you hear me? Now I can hear you. Good job, Victor. Thanks so much for, for waking up to be with us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, man, thanks so much for having me. And it's a lot later over here than it is for you. So. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's when Jared Abrams said, I got a great guest for you, Dr. Clapper. I said, okay. He makes blue jeans, denim. I said, okay. And because I love art and sports and I'm a surgeon and I believe all those worlds are relatable, I started to think about blue jeans in the world of art and sports and surgery. And it's fascinating, Victor. There's something. There's more going on than it just being an article of clothing. They mean so much more. What do blue jeans and denim mean to you? Whew. Man, I think it. It's like I think my grandfather's generation would like like buying a tool or buying a thing was so important and it was kind of hard to get. And it was like, buy the best one hmm. and they would patina and break in over time. The tools even, I mean, our, our favorite pieces of clothing are, are hand-me-downs or like from our dads or from our friends, mm-hmm. things that tell stories, things that have more meaning. And, and denim inherently does this, mm-hmm. right? It breaks in over time. It patinas, it changes, it molds to your body, it fades, all these things. It has this, like you're creating this history with this piece of clothing in a way that doesn't happen in, in, in most articles of clothing. Yeah. And it's a part of who you are. It's a part of your, yep. your presence, your silhouette, your actual like presentation of, uh, of who you are to the world. I it agree with you. a part of your body. I think, Victor, when I, you go, any, any of us, look in our closet. When we decide, okay, this is what I'm going to wear today, I'm sure that shirt, that pair of shorts, the only thing when you look at it and go, yeah, like your blood pressure goes, your heart rate goes down. <laughs> when you look at your pair of blue jeans, that's not brand new, by the way. The beat up ones, you go, I'm going to have a good, comfortable day because I'm going to wear this soft stuff. I want to take advantage, Victor, of having you on to play some sound bites. My, my surgery professor, Dr. Ranawat, taught me, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. Beautiful. You know, go study. Go learn the anatomy. Go learn the surgery. you got to have it in your head, and then you can see different things. If you don't know it, you don't see it. So I want to take advantage of you being here because it's a radio show. My ears hear different things than you hear, being an expert in this field. So the man who invented all of this was Levi Strauss 150 years ago or more. But I want to play a soundbite, and then I want to ask you, Victor, what do you hear when you hear this soundbite about Levi Strauss, a a poor Jewish guy who winds up in San Francisco because they're finding gold. He wants to sell them tents, canvas for tents. And they say, we don't need tents, we need pants. And he takes that (laughs) canvas to a tailor who says, I'll make the pants for you, and he sells them out immediately. And that's when he the, the tailor says, can we put rivets in? I need a patent. Let's do it together. And, and Levi Strauss changed the world, like you're doing as well, Victor. But listen to the history of this. 
On one occasion, Levi could not even manage to sell a piece of canvas for making tents. So he gave the length of this rough fabric to a tailor, who transformed it into ten pairs of working trousers. The gold diggers bought them instantly, as for a long time they had needed hard-wearing trousers that didn't rip or tear. These durable trousers, which protected against dust and dirt, and which were easy to clean, soon turned out to be indispensable. The original cut with a yoke behind allowed one to wear without a waist belt, and it was possible to put samples of gold and working tools into the superimposed pockets. This is a classic example of form meets function. What do you hear when you hear this soundbite about the, the creation of genes? Mm. I, I think it's one of those times when like, the constraints breed creativity. When, like, when we don't have all the things that we need, when we don't have the right tools, like, we have to get more creative. Mm. It's, uh, I mean, there were times, you know, in generations past, more so than now, where, where the, like, we all had different constraints. Mm. <laughs> weather or materials or um, skill sets or education. And I think those times forced everyone to be more creative. That's what happened there. And I think those are really, really, really beautiful times. That's when, like, true creativity comes out. And so there was a need, there's a thing, there's a couple uh, asks, uh, new materials, and then some limiting factors. And it's like, oh, well, you just kind of lean into something and, and learn and see what you learn. I think that's a, that's a beautiful story. You know, you, those were beautiful times, but I got news for you because there were beautiful people there. Victor, you're one of those people because look at what <laughs> you've done with your life. And I'm not just here to patronize you. You're amazing because you could have lived in those times, but you're living now, but you bring the same type of searching for something in life that many people don't. They're too scared. They're not willing to take a risk. Somehow, you have. So teach us, Victor. Take us through your journey. Where'd you grow up? What'd your father do for a living? Talk to us about surfing and the connection with surfing, which I love to do, with making wine, with, with ultimately making blue jeans and denim pants. Take us through your life. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I grew up here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and my dad worked for IBM, and his dad, uh, all of my family's from Ukraine, and his dad never spoke English and worked for U.S. Steel, and wow. my mom's father worked for a, a tire factory, and my dad ended up learning one of the first uh, computer languages at a newspaper and got a job at IBM and we moved to North Carolina and wow. you know had these other things this middle class life that that they didn't have hmm. uh, so it's kind of they were living the American dream and then we get dealt this different hand of cards and now we're kind of leaning into that too hmm. um, I, I I'm like really curious and I'm like <laughs> that's where all those different things that you're saying from cooking to winemaking to blue jeans, I, I'm really hungry to learn in life, hmm. and that hasn't really restricted me to a specific medium. I mean, I think we've gotten this recognition for for making blue jeans, but I started cooking. Uh, I cooked at Nobu in Tribeca in New York back hmm. before 9-11. Hmm. Uh, cooking got me into winemaking. I just wanted to learn where these things are coming from, how they're being made, who's doing it, what's the <laughs> logistics of it, but also what's the heart of it, and what's the like the mental part of it behind it and how do you make specific things that are that are pure and honest and beautiful in a way that can't be replicated or manufactured. Mm. And 
I, I love that about winemaking. I love that about cooking. Um, those are kind of the principles that we applied to denim, and it hadn't really been um, described that way. And it hasn't hadn't been like jumped into with, with that mindset. And it was it was fun and it was different. And I think that's why we're still here. Mm. It's beautiful, Victor, because I I remember hearing Carlos as a surgeon. I love. I start my day with complicated hip surgeries, and as the day goes on, the surgeries I do, for me, are, are simpler. The, the harder cases I do first. But I, I flavor the room, my operating room, with music. So I always start with Eric Clapton. I figure this, this vibe that he sets in the operating room for me allows me to do complicated stuff. And then as the day goes through... I listen to Carlos Santana and then Gloria Estefan mm-hmm. and end with Charday as my last case. But I remember, <laughs> I remember Carlos Santana being interviewed, and they asked him, "Carlos, what are you searching for in life?" And Carlos Santana, one of the greatest guitar players of all time, said, "I'm still searching for the perfect note." Michelangelo, my my hero, I'm a sculptor in marble. That's my hobby. He chose white marble. He chose to use only three different kinds of chisels. He never painted the stone. The simplicity of what he was searching for, like Santana, the perfect note, it almost seems like you're that way, Victor. You're searching not for the complicated things in life, but you're trying to find the simple things that make life beautiful. Correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that Santana analogy is amazing. It's, it's really beautiful. It's like it's such a Zen meditation in a way. It's yeah. a a practice of like no, no, no. Maybe today will be the best note. Maybe today will be the time. Maybe I love that optimism about life too. I think a lot of people feel like as they get older they like can't do as many things or we you know and that's true we can't but it's also an opportunity for us to think differently and mm-hmm. and use the knowledge that we've learned to open up new doors and like learn new things i think your love of surfing and i can only speak to my love of surfing is the ultimate metaphor for life in that <clears throat> the nose of the board is your future victor the tail of your board is the past but the surfer stands in the middle, and every time you surf, you learn to live in the moment because you're standing in the middle. What does surfing mean to you, Victor? Man, I just started surfing about 10 years ago when I was probably 30 years old. I had never surfed before. And I don't know why I wanted to do it, but I just got obsessed with it. And one of the, I have two recurring dreams in my life. One is, uh, just sitting on a surfboard when you're out there waiting for the waves and it's just calm. Mm-hmm. And I'll just have that dream for a very long time. Just sitting there, just being in the water is enough. Just mm-hmm. like tasting the water and smelling the air and seeing the birds and mm-hmm. watching the light shine off the, yep. uh, off the water and just waiting. That patience is, is a, is part of the reason I, I go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, Picking and choosing and knowing when to go and knowing when you're ready and knowing when you're not. And that's a, it is in the moment. It's exactly, you have to, that comes from 
learning enough, but then also just following your heart. <laughs> like you'll see the right wave going the right way, and you're like, oh, that's mine. Let's go. Like, hmm. and and just knowing that feeling that is beautiful. Hmm. I love surfing. It's hard to put into words, which is like most things in in life. For I totally agree with you. One day after a session here in Ventura, where I surf with my buddies, I asked each of them because clearly they're getting up in the middle of the night like I am to get in the water before the sun comes up. Which is your favorite part of surfing, I would ask them. And, you know, big macho guys, oh, I love making the bottom turn. I love, I love do, you know, all the, the physical aspects of it because it is a, a hard sport. You take a, your friends who think they're in good shape out to surf and they're dying after like five paddles. But for me, like you, the, the greatest part is actually the lead up to it. The looking at the horizon, trying to figure out, is this the right one? Is there going to be a better one behind it? What will this wave ultimately become? The physicality of it is one thing, but the mental aspects of the sport is really what draws me to it. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Teach us, Victor, a little bit about the many expertise that you have, but about denim. What makes a good pair of blue jeans? Soft? I don't even know what questions to ask you, but you're an expert in it. What, what exactly should I be looking for? Which, by the way, I'm a size 36, and I can't wait to wear some of your pants. <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, the, like, what's the right pair of jeans for a person, really? is a, It's a reflection of the person. Yeah. Like, it depends on who you are and, and what you like and... And really what makes you feel more confident. Like, I, I don't like using that word, but, like, when the very first pair of jeans I made, the very first clothing that I made was about, like, the moment when I wake up and I haven't slept well and I kind of don't feel good. And I want to, like, look at this piece of clothing and be like, <laughs> I look at it like my teammate. And I'm like, let's go. And I put these <laughs> jeans on. And I'm like, okay, now we're, now we're a team. And we're, we're going we're gonna to do this. Let's go. Um, but as I, like, you know, I, I was coming from food and wine and, and then all these like farm to table conversations. And like, I wanted to know where things come from, who made it, how is it made? Where is it made? Why is it made? What does it look like? What are the color combinations? How does it change over time? I mean, the denim that I love most mm-hmm. starts out really dark mm-hmm. and it's stiff and it's really clean. And then you wear it and you wear it and you wear it. And some people go crazy and they'll wear it for, a year or two without washing it, which I don't necessarily recommend, but I don't not recommend either. Mm. Um, and the indigo, the, the blue adheres to the outside of the yarn. Mm. So it doesn't penetrate to the center of the yarn. If you think of like a, um, mm. almost like a garden hose or a piece of pipe or something like that, like the color is just on the outside. Wow. And over time, as the world interacts with your pants and it pushes up against your muscles and your bones and like the way that you live, that paint, the the blue indigo, it starts to chip off and you see the lighter color of the yarn underneath. And that whole process is a it's a collaboration. It's just like it's you and this gene and the world and this is like it, it really just is a reflection of who you are. Um and that can be a stretch gene, it can be a raw denim gene, it can be a salvage gene, it can be really anything. But the those are the ones that I like most, and that's what we make the most of. You know, Victor, when I hear you speak, 
it sounds like you're describing our skin. Mm-hmm. I take care of patients from U- Ukraine. I take care of patients from China, from South America, all walks of life. I mean, this is Los Angeles, and I'm from New York, so I'm used to being in a melting pot, but I'm a surgeon. The color of your skin may be different on the outside, but once I take that scalpel and I go through that skin, whatever color it is, we are all the same on the inside. And whether it's an old patient where that skin is not very pliable, it cracks, it's stiff, or it's a 20-year-old ACL that tore that I'm going to fix where it's very flexible, it is just like the aging process of the genes you're talking about. So it's, to some extent, there's, as I said, opening the show, there's a lot more going on here than just a pair of pants. There is a deepness <laughs> to blue jeans that, unfortunately, Philip Morris got the right ad guy to, to take advantage of what blue jeans mean and invented the Marlboro Man which probably makes you angry on some level because they've taken something beautiful and used it for their to sell cigarettes. But it's because they realize there's something quite powerful in blue jeans. Victor, you're something yeah, yeah. special. You're deep. You're, you're a special guy. And Jared was right hooking us up. Teach uh, the Weekend Warrior. How can we get a hold of your pants? so that we can experience what it is that you're inflicting and in, impacting into those pair of pants. Tell us the name of the company. Where do we buy them? Tell us all about it. Awesome. Thank you. Um, the company's name is Raleigh Denim Workshop. That's our website also, RaleighDenimWorkshop.com, and also our Instagram handle, at Raleigh Denim Workshop. Um, and if you go to our website, you can see videos of me making jeans and talking about the details. And they're really short videos. We call them tiny films. So it's kind of fun. They're only about a minute long. You don't have to, like, dig in too deep. But it's fun to kind of see what our workshop looks like and, and see, like, the little teeny tiny details that mean everything to me uh, that I don't know if people know about or other brands even care about. But it's, it's, it means everything. So that's the uh, best place to find us. Victor, if it means a lot to you, then it means a lot to us, and we will follow your lead. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's uh-huh. a crazy Thank topic. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. It really is. Uh, you're special, and uh, you lead by example, and you're a good guy to, to follow. There's no doubt about it. Thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it, Victor. Thank you. Take care. Okay. God bless you. All right, Warriors, coming up next. We got some clapper vision to do because I want to talk about what happened to Odell Beckham Jr. Tearing his ACL after it's already been repaired. How does that happen? Why does that happen? And I operated on a woman this week with rheumatoid arthritis, which is something you'll hear about. But what exactly is it? I will give you a hint. All I have to do is look at your fingers and I can tell so much about what's happening to your other joints in your body. I'll explain. Coming up next, the number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710-ESPN.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I have a Beatles wig on. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. I think he started singing this song, 50 Cent, at the Super Bowl when he was upside down. Which is not uh, computer generated. Uh, 50 Cent was actually upside down with the blood rushing to his head. Unbelievable. Keep doing that. He's going to be 25 cents. That's not good for you in the long run. But God bless him for doing it. It was so exciting to hear that halftime show. Hip hop. It's a lot about the hip and it's about the hop. And we'll talk a lot about the hip on this show. But after talking to Victor, my guest, which was really, can you imagine making left turns, right turns with your life? I'm a chef. Then I get into winemaking. Then I get into making blue jeans. Now I'm a surfer. He just keeps searching for the beauty in life. You can learn a lot from him. And I bet you you can feel it in the pants that he makes. I got to get a pair of those pants. But it made me think all week. About blue jeans. Who invented them? How did this come about? And it came about from this guy. Being far from the world of fashion, this businessman managed to enrich style of both the unemployed and millionaires. He invented jeans, the most popular clothes of our time. The German Jew, Levi Strauss, founded his company selling denim in over 69 countries all around the world. Wow. The history of the most famous trousers in all the world began in a small German city of Buttenheim in the north of Bavaria. There, on February 26, 1829, Lieb Strauss was born. He was the sixth son of the street dealer, Gersh Strauss. When the young man was only 17, his father died from tuberculosis. Two years later, the widowed Rebecca, together with their young children, moved to America. Picks up and moves. Lieb's senior brothers were already there, selling canvas, fabrics, and ready-made garments in New York. The young Lieb Strauss also began studying the trading business. And by 1850, he became an expert in the trade and changed his name to Levi. In the middle of the 19th century, 
After deposits of gold had been found in California, thousands of people rushed there, making the journey over mountains and wide open seas. That's why they're called the San Francisco 49ers, because that's when they discovered the gold in 1849. This is right when Levi Strauss is hearing about everybody picking up and going to dig for gold. Levi Strauss also decided to move to the West for gold. But not to dig in the mines all day long, despite the promise of considerable profits. In January 1853, Levi Strauss received American citizenship and soon became a representative of the family business in the bustling and noisy city of San Francisco. He intended to sell clothes and equipment to the gold diggers. In fact, in the heat of the gold fever, the prices for essential goods in California, isolated from the rest of the continent by huge mountains, were simply sky high. And the clothes he's selling are shirts. They're not pants. The canvas he has is for the miners to have tents. Canvas tents. On one occasion, Levi could not even manage to sell a piece of canvas for making tents. So he gave the length of this rough fabric to a tailor who transformed it into 10 pairs of working trousers. The gold diggers bought them instantly, as for a long time they had needed hard-wearing trousers that didn't rip or tear. These durable trousers, which protected against dust and dirt, and which were easy to clean, soon turned out to be indispensable. The original cut with a yoke behind allowed one to wear without a waist belt, and it was possible to put samples of gold and working tools into the superimposed pockets. Mm. Later, Levi replaced canvas with denim, a dense cotton fabric. The choice of the dark blue color is simple to explain. In the 19th century, indigo was the cheapest dye for fabrics. The sale of jeans was quite profitable, and in the mid-1950s, Levi Strauss became a well-known businessman in the city. In despite of being a wealthy man, he still asked his employees to name him Levi instead of Mr. Strauss. That's right. The new style of working clothes, the so-called overall suit to the waist, had great success with the Californian gold diggers. However, one problem emerged. After a while, the weight of the golden nuggets carried by the gold diggers started to tear the pockets. So here's where the genius of the rivet comes from, in the pocket. In 1872, Levi received a letter from Jacob Davis, a tailor of Baltic origin, to whom he delivered denim. Davis had a bright idea. He suggested strengthening both pockets and fasteners of the jeans with horse harness rivets. As Davis did not have the $68 necessary to patent his invention, he turned to Levi Strauss for help. Mm -hmm. And he and Jacob Davis both got the patent. On May 20, 1873, the patent numbered 139121 was awarded to Strauss and Davis. Almost at once, the unpretentious innovation transformed into impressive profit. Rivets appeared on all of Levi Strauss's jeans. However, once when a cowboy sitting by a fire was burnt by the heated groin rivet, it was decided that rivets remained only on pockets. But soon it also became necessary to remove rivets from the back pockets as they scratched chairs and saddles. Mm. But here's where the artistry comes in. Making the 501 jeans and the patch that to this day is still on the back of a pair of Levi's.
At the same time, the firm's double line of orange thread appeared on the back pockets. In 1886, a leather label representing two horses tearing apart a pair of Levi's was added to the back of all jeans, becoming the brand mark of the firm. The cult model number 501 appeared on sale in 1890. It has been produced by the Levi Strauss company right up until the present day. And that is how it came about. He couldn't sell the canvas for the tents. The miners didn't want it. They wanted pants. And he gave people what they wanted. That's where jeans came from. The power in those pair of pants is ultimately what was recognized by Leo Burnett making that ad campaign to making the Macho Marlboro Cigarette campaign. It's just pure genius, the cowboy. What about the world of food? How is that impacted by this? Well, for me, if you talk cowboy and you talk blue jeans and sitting around the fire, you're talking barbecue. And the best barbecue, mm, my mouth is watering already, the best barbecue brisket in this town of Los Angeles, I'm going to tell you where it is. And the guy you're going to ask for, his name is Noel. I'll tell you where that place is coming up next here on the Weekend Warriors Show on 710 ESPN. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. But don't miss my show Monday morning on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. <laughs> We're stuck here. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Don't listen to them. Don't even listen to Betty Crocker when she tells you how many minutes the brownies should cook in the oven. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, so beautiful. I never want to forget. That great day I had last Sunday in the Super Bowl. Listening to this music, watching Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald do their thing. It's a Rams thing. <laughs> it's not a Bengal thing. But boy, do I love Joe Burrow. Just great. And now it's over. And all I got to do is talk about it. Ah, oh, fantastic. Today's show was awesome because it was different, like they are each and every Saturday. Wait till I tell you about next week. But before I do, I have to remember, Steve Paletta always used to tell me i got to remember to do what I said I would do. So the first is where to have the best barbecue brisket in L.A.? You're going to have to go to Culver City and go to Maple Block. Ask for Noel. Tell them Dr. Clapper sent you. You can get all kinds of barbecue, chicken and be ribs and all that. No, I only want one thing, the brisket and the barbecue sauce to dip it in. Oh, my God, is it good. The other side dishes, yeah, nothing special, but they're, you know, they're good. But that brisket, you can taste the smoke. It's so good. And their barbecue sauce is amazing. Maple Block, Culver City. And thanks again, Noel. It was just awesome. Rheumatoid arthritis. This week I did a knee replacement on a very lovely woman. Big weekend warrior fan. 
amazing. But she has knees you can't walk on anymore because her own body, here's a clapper vision for you. You go to the lumber yard like I used to do with my dad as a kid, pick up a piece of wood without gloves on, guess what you get? A splinter. Now I got a piece of wood sticking in my finger. Wood ain't part of my body. It's foreign. It's nothing organic that I'm made of. So my body mounts a rejection response to that wooden splinter. There's pain. There's swelling. There's redness. These are the things that your body does with things called cytokines. These are this inflammatory response. And all these drugs they give you, from aspirin to Advil to Celebrex, they're all to attack that normal response that the body has to an assault, to reject stuff. We're built to make sure that that wooden splinter gets the hell out of our body. That's what the body is doing. And this has taken a millennium for us to be built this way. It's an inflammatory response. It's a normal response, but it can get over the top. The computer in our body that says wood is foreign, but your fingernail is not foreign, so you don't reject your fingernail, which you can look at right now, that system of surveillance in your body, normal, mine, not normal, not mine, not of me, and therefore reject the wooden splinter, that system to turn on has its own surveillance, its own on and off switch. Well, in patients who have rheumatoid arthritis, that switch can get thrown to your own body. A mistake is made where your body switch turns on to reject, like a wooden splinter, your own cartilage. It's called autoimmune. You're rejecting yourself, and it's vicious. These joints are red, swollen, like the cartilage that is you could be a wooden splinter. It's debilitating. The greatest joy I get is taking care of people with rheumatoid arthritis because you give them a new life. It's the greatest thing an orthopedic surgeon can feel is someone coming into your office in a wheelchair and coming to see you after surgery, salsa dancing. That's what happens, and it's awesome. And I had the pleasure and privilege this week of doing it. So when I would see you, if it came to that as a patient, first thing I'm going to ask you, my hip hurts, my knee hurts, my shoulder hurts, first thing I'm going to ask you to do is show me your fingers. Why? What do you want to look at my fingers for? Because the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. I can look at your hands and tell you the pain you have in those other joints, your knee, your hip, your shoulder, your ankle, your back, is either coming from osteoarthritis or, God forbid, I look at your fingers and I'll say, you got rheumatoid arthritis. That's a whole different deal. So most of us are blessed. It's just altacocaritis. We're getting older. But for some, you're not blessed. It's rheumatoid arthritis. 
But have no fear. We can still take care of that. Next week, I'm so excited. My show is going to be about caring for dogs, man's best friend, animal rights, Doris Day, the greatest. But in the world of sports, there's an NFL player that I just love. He plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, and protecting the lives of dogs is a big part of who he is. His name is Tyron Matthew. And you're going to hear what he did to bring to light people who don't treat their dogs right. He's a beautiful guy. My guest will be the great Lily Culber, my favorite female surfer, because this is a passion for her, animal rights. So we'll talk about surfing. We'll talk about the, the life of the dog in a good way. And, of course, we're going to talk about food. I wonder what food I'm going to search this week. My mouth, I can't even speak. It'll involve a dog. Well, the only dog I know is a hot dog. And that's where I will put my radar on for next week's show. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for telling your friends. I leave you with Volari, which means I'm singing and I'm flying, which I hope you did with me this Saturday like we do for the last 11 years. Until next Saturday, I'll see you on the radio. Poi d'improvviso venivo dal vento rapito E incominciavo a volare Nel cielo 